Good evening. It's a blessing for us to be here this evening and a, a privilege to be standing before you tonight and opening the Word of God with you. And I just want to start out and say, as uh, maybe I've mentioned it before, just uh, but the just thanks from our family, appreciation, just the encouragement, uh, the love, uh, just welcoming us. Uh, it's been a few years I've been able to know Charles and just be with him here and there on some different outreaches or different things. Um, but a lot of you all haven't had that opportunity, but and we're thankful that we're having that right now. And uh, so we are. We just thank the Lord uh, for that for you all and uh, just to be able to be here uh, with you tonight. Um, the songs tonight. What an encouragement! And um, was thinking of. The first song we sang, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, All Our Sins and Griefs to Bear, What a Privilege to Carry, Everything to God in Prayer, Oh, What Peace We Often Forfeit, Oh, What Needless Pain We Bear, All Because We Do Not Carry, Everything to God in Prayer. And when I was thinking about that, I thought, oh, there's a title for the message tonight. Be Quick to Go to the Lord. I think that could be the title of the message this evening, Be Quick to Go to the Lord. What peace we often forfeit, needless pain we bear, because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You can turn to Psalm 143. There are plenty of things to carry to the Lord in prayer, is there not? And that song... Words written by Francis Havergal, I believe it was, right? Uh, that we sang about, Every joy or, every, or trial falleth from above, traced up on our dial from the Son of Love. And do we believe that? Are we living in light of that reality today? And I want to encourage us this evening to not waste trials. To not waste them, no matter how big they are, no matter how small they are, for us not to waste trials because they are from the Lord. They're not by chance. They're not mistakes. They're not just something we need to get over, to get through, to get by and just have it behind us, whatever it might be, but that they are given to us from the Lord, from the Son of love. And so to encourage us this evening not to waste trials, but to embrace them, recognizing what comes out of them, what the Lord is doing in them and through them. And I believe we see some of this in Psalm 143. And let's go ahead and read this psalm this evening, all 12 verses here. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications, answer me in your faithfulness, in your righteousness, and do not enter into judgment with your servant. For in your sight no man living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in dark places like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart is appalled within me. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul longs for you as a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will become like those who go down to the pit. Verse 8. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. 
Teach me the way in which I shall walk, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground for the sake of your name, O Lord. Revive me. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your loving kindness, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. Lord, I pray as we just come tonight, once again, help me, God. Lord, help us. Help us to hear your word this evening, God. God, help us to see your hand in our trials, Lord. Help us to come this evening and be able to set all things aside and be able to have our mind upon you, upon your word, yielded and humbled before you, God, tonight I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this psalm is attributed to David, and it's what's known as a a lament psalm. And more particularly, it's recognized as one of the seven penitential psalms. These are Psalm 6, Psalm 32, Psalm 38, Psalm 51. Psalm 51 will be familiar to many of us. Psalm 102, Psalm 130, and then here is Psalm 143. Now, in just a cursory reading, we can see that the psalmist is undergoing trials, deep trials. He is burdened. He is distressed. He said that, His spirit is overwhelmed within me. His heart is appalled in shock within me with what's taking place. And in the verse before that, he talks about his enemies crushing him. So he's undergoing trials, but evidently there's some sin on the psalmist's mind here. And so we find in verse 1, His introductory prayer in this psalm. And he calls out to God, Hear my prayer, O Lord. And his addressing of the Lord here characterizes these types of psalms, psalms of lament, addressing, going to the Lord from where their help can be found, from where hope can be found, turning quickly here to the Lord. And so the psalmist here goes to the Lord in prayer. And he asks the Lord to give ear to his supplications. And notice here he says, answer me in your faithfulness. Generally, in Psalms of Laments, what you find are assertions of innocence that they'll oftentimes give at this portion. But instead here we see the psalmist not basing his request upon him, over guilt in his heart, in his life, evidently from some sin. But instead, he bases his supplications here for God's favor, based on who God is, based on his nature, based on his character. So God, in your faithfulness, in your righteousness, God, hear me. So here, as we'll see as we go through the psalm, the faithfulness and righteousness of God here is based on his covenant Faithfulness, And isn't this an encouragement that the psalmist here can find hope, can find encouragement to still go to the Lord, even though there's sin in his life. He has these enemies that are bringing this pressure, that are afflicting him, and he knows that there is some cause within him, the sin in his life, and yet he still has confidence to go to the Lord. 
Why? Because it's not about him. It's about the Lord. It's about his faithfulness, about his righteousness, that he has confidence. The Lord will still hear him. Think of Psalm 130, verses 2 to 4. You can go ahead and turn over there since it's just a few psalms back. Psalms 130. Go ahead and read verses 1 through 4 here. He says, Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Look at the hope in verse 4. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. And so the psalmist knows that. If the Lord is to mark his iniquities here in Psalms 143, who could stand? He would have no hope to be able to come before the Lord now. But he knows he is a gracious, forgiving God, faithful to his covenant that he has made with him. I'm going to turn over and read here a couple of verses in Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verses 10 to 12. At the beginning of this psalm, he says, Do not forget the benefits of the Lord. Forget none of His benefits, verse 2. And then in verse 10, he says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are dust. He's mindful of this. And so as we come back to Psalm 143, if the Lord would mark iniquities, who could stand? Nobody. The psalmist would not be able to come in confidence addressing the Lord based on his covenant faithfulness if the Lord marked iniquities, if the Lord did not forgive sins. So look what he asks of the Lord here in verse 2. He asks that the Lord, he says, Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no man living is righteous. No man living is righteous in your sight. I would not have any hope, God, if you come and enter into judgment with your servants. Now in verses 3 and 4, or actually verses 3 to 6, we have the actual lament now of, of why he is writing this psalm. What is, of, what is weighing on him so heavenly? heavenly. And here in, in verse 3 he says, For the enemy has persecuted my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in dark places like those who have long been dead. Now, this is assumed to be a, a psalm of David. Now, of course, with what's given in this psalm, we don't know of what particular situation this is that David finds himself in. But we know through the life of David that he suffered much, much affliction that could put him in this state, put him in this situation of his enemies uh, pursuing him, of having this pressure upon him. 
that would be the cause of, of writing this psalm would be the outcome of him writing this psalm. But here David having his enemies um, bringing this affliction upon him and evidently by the hand of the Lord for discipline, for sin in his life. And so he says as a result of this in verse 4, Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart is appalled within me. Have you been there? Have you been where David is? In this place of distress, this place of feeling, um, of having your life even threatened here, evidently David is feeling this. But not just that, just the emotional weight, the emotional distress that he is uh, feeling at this point in time. He says, my spirit's overwhelmed. I cannot take anymore, Lord. I cannot handle another bit of this. He says, my heart is appalled. My heart is, is shocked. Just at what is taking place? I remember a story told by Robbie Zacharias. I don't remember the details, so try to find it online. Listen to it to get those details. But he tells a story of a, a man he met. I believe he was a Vietnamese, uh, Vietnamese man, a uh, Christian man that he had met. And this man was placed into a prison camp. And things were very hard for him. It, it was after he got out of this prison camp that he caught up with Ravi Zacharias and told him a story of what happened. During his time at this prison camp, things got very, very difficult for him. And it got so bad that it, it, there came a day when he said, you know what, God, okay, tomorrow I'm not going to believe in you anymore. I can't handle this, God. Where are you? I'm not going to believe in you anymore tomorrow. Well, that next day, he had latrine duty, and he was cleaning out the latrines, and he was in there cleaning it out, and he noticed a crumpled up piece of paper that caught his attention because it had writing on it, and I believe it was English. This man could read English. And so he picked it up, he cleaned it off, and looked at it, and it was a copy of a page of Scripture. There in the latrine. And he, he took that, he wiped it off. I don't remember what portion of scripture it was. But he took that home that night. And, and God just nourished and refreshed his soul from that. And after that, he volunteered to do the latrines. And you know what? He found one of the um, officers was using a copy of the scriptures that someone had given him as toilet paper. And he'd go in there and he'd find another page, another copy of the scriptures, and he'd clean it off and he was starting to collect copies of the scriptures. But he, he found himself at this point, and I wasn't going to tell the whole story at this point in time right now, but I did. <laughs> because that's getting ahead of the psalmist here. We jumped ahead from him being overwhelmed and appalled, his heart being appalled. But anyways, he was at that point to where he said, God, I cannot handle it anymore, God. I'm at that point. Have we been there? Have you been there at that point? And you know what? It doesn't have to be these huge, big things that maybe we think about in regards to trials of a loss of a loved one or of of being out of work. I mean, it could be the accumulation of things to where we're looking around saying, God, where are you in my life? And having this feeling of being overwhelmed and being shocked and feeling having this despair uh, of a feeling in us. Well, that's where the psalmist is here. And it doesn't get any better in verse 5. He says this, I remember the days of, of old. 
I meditate on all your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. David here remembers the work of the Lord from the old days. This is a great thing. This can be a great thing to do when we are growing weary, remembering the workings of the Lord. But for David, this doesn't seem to help him because for him it only creates a greater longing for what he doesn't have right now. And so look what he says in verse 6. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul longs for you as a parched land. My soul is like the a parched ground. And so this is a reminder to David of what he does not have at this time. And it deepens his wounds, making his prayers that much more urgent to the Lord. So there is the, the lament. And now we come to his petition of what he asks the Lord. And there's a number of requests, starting in verse 7, going through the end of this, this psalm here. Let's go ahead and read this again. He says, Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will become like those who go down to the pit. He says, Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. The loving kindness of the Lord. I want to just focus on this here just for a a couple minutes. The loving kindness of the Lord. Remember Psalms 23, the psalm of the the shepherd, and it, it concludes, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's the same word there, loving kindness, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me, that that word there, or pursue me. God's goodness and loving kindness pursues His children, will follow Him, pursue Him all the days of His life, and He'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the same idea here of loving kindness. This loving kindness is God's I like saying this, this Hebrew word, it's his chesed, his chesed, his covenant faithfulness. This is the covenant faithfulness of the Lord. Let me read to you what one man says about this word. It's not merely an attitude or an emotion. It is an emotion that leads to an activity beneficial to the recipient. This man explains the act of chesed as a beneficent action performed in the context of a deep and enduring commitment between two persons or parties, by one who is able to render assistance to the needy party, who in the circumstances is unable to help him or herself. Now we are the ones in the party who are not able to help ourselves. And God is the one who is able to render the assistance needed. And so here, based on the covenant faithfulness of the Lord, the psalmist is able to come to God in confidence and say, God, show me. Let me hear of your covenant faithfulness in the morning. Let me hear of your covenant faithfulness. You know, Lamentations 3, 19 to 23. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
they are new every morning. And we can look in the children of God in confidence. I think of Philippians 1.6 that uh, Paul said, I'm confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will complete it to the very end. He'll complete it. Not because of us, but because of who Christ is. Because of what He has done. Now let's walk on through here. In verse 8, Teach me the way which I should walk. For to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. And let me just mention here, notice one of the benefits of trials here. Notice the psalmist casting himself upon the Lord, seeing his daily regular need for the Lord here. One of the benefits of trials, if we allow it to be so in our lives, is living in a greater and greater reality of our dependence, of our daily dependence upon the Lord. It can be so easy for us to get up and, and, and not live in light of this reality that we are utterly dependent upon God today. But for the psalmist, what's he concerned about? Now. Now, God, show me. Let me hear of your loving kindness. God, teach me now. Teach me the way in which I am to walk. Lord, show me. Show me now. In verse 9, deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I take refuge in you. I flee to you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level grounds. Oh God, lead me, direct me. This level place, this place of safety, this place of comfort, of blessing at your hands. Remember Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. That's a related word here to um, level ground. In Proverbs 3, 6, He'll make your paths straight. He'll make them smooth. I had one um, teacher friend say, He's the heavenly bulldozer. God, He makes our way smooth before us as we look to Him, as we trust in Him. And once again, as we see Him conclude here in verses 11 and 12, similar to what He does in verse 1, He beseeches God, not on His own um, goodness, but on the, on the Lord's goodness, on the basis of who God is. Look what He says in verse 11 and 12. For the sake of Your name, O Lord, revive me, in your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your loving kindness, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. God, do this. Do this for your name. Do this for your reputation, God. Your name is at stake here. Glorify your name in my life. As we've just spent a little bit of time in this psalm, just want to consider a few applications or or few more for us this evening and one is the encouragement that we may be quick to go to the lord in trials that we may be quick to go to the lord in trials as the psalmist begins this lament hear my prayer O lord he's going to the lord now in all the the laments 
the psalmists aren't quick to go to the Lord. I think of David in Psalm 51 after his sin with Bathsheba. There, could have, there was a, a large span of time there between David's sin with Bathsheba before he went to the Lord in contrition, in brokenness, seeking the Lord, but that we would be quick to turn to the Lord in trials and find that help that we sing about, that we often forsake, that we often um, don't, we do not take advantage of, that's there for us through Christ in Him that we can boldly come before the throne of grace because of the work of Christ that He's done in our life. That we would not forfeit that, that we would be quick to turn to the Lord in trials. And here's a few ways, a few motivations that could help us to be quick to turn to the Lord in trials. And one is recognizing that this trial is from the Lord. We need to recognize and remember that trials are from the Lord. Whether it be God's discipline for sin, as evidently there's some indication that this psalm is in regards to, it's over sin, and we know the Lord disciplines those whom He loves. He disciplines His children. Or whether it be God's pruning of the fruitful vine, that we would be quick to turn to the Lord in trials. And that we would be quick to see trials as from the Lord. We're, we're dog-sitting right now. And, and this dog has been a sort of a trial for our family, for us. And the reason is, is because it doesn't like to be chained up. And he begins barking at 4.30 or 5 in the morning. And these nice days that we've had, nice evenings, our windows, we like to have our windows open. And I was grumbling about this dog for a few days to Vanessa about it. And... Um, and it was Friday morning, 5 o'clock, this dog started barking. And the Lord brought it to mind that it's him getting me up out of bed. So I wouldn't be lazy, that I'd get up and be in the Word. And you know what? I thank God for that dog that morning, Friday morning. And every time I've heard that dog barking early in the morning from that point up to today, I've remembered, okay, this is from the Lord. Are you going to receive it as from the Lord, or are you going to reject it, complain, and grumble, and not benefit from it? But listen, there's so many things in our life that way that maybe we just dismiss, that we just th see it as something that we just need to get it out of our life and get rid of this problem, this thing that is, that's not making things easy for us right now. It could be a relationship. It could be a roommate. It could be a, a, a little peculiarity that a spouse has, that we're not receiving it as from the Lord to grow us, to sanctify us, to get our attention, to go to Him and to seek His face of what He is doing in this. So may we be quick to go to the Lord. Ecclesiastes 3.11, I love the beginning of this verse. It says, He has made everything appropriate in His time. Everything. What's excluded from everything? Nothing. And the one who makes it appropriate, think the King James says beautiful, it's the Lord. It's the Lord who makes everything beautiful. And it's only the Lord that can make a trial beautiful. But He does it. And He does it regularly. And He will do it for us if we will simply yield these areas of our life to Him. 
So do not waste the trials in your life, no matter how big or small they might be at this time. Another encouragement for us from this psalm is to recognize our utter dependence upon the Lord. And we talked about this briefly already. Recognize our utter dependence upon the Lord. And this is what it initially grabbed my attention with this psalm is, is verse, verse 8, the psalmist where he prayed, Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. There are some trials that our family has, has gone through. And during some trials, you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about, Lord, right now, I need you. God, I need your grace. I need to see your mercies today. And that's what grabbed me. That's why I gravitated to this, to this passage and to this verse is the psalmist prayer. And, and it resonated with me. This is what I need. God, let me hear of your loving kindness tomorrow. Remind me, God, that you are with me, that you are faithful, that I just need to walk trusting you today, God. Show me. Show me, God. Lest I despair. Lest I despair. So what a great benefit from the Lord. Because the reality is, and we all know it, we all say it, that yes, life's a vapor. We do not know what tomorrow may bring. So they thus say, if the Lord wills. Yes, we agree with that. But how easy is it just to be thinking about and planning for and, and not living in reality of today and our dependence upon the Lord both physically and spiritually. Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread, Lord. Another encouragement under this point of being quick to turn to the Lord in trial is, is recognizing that trials are gifts from the Lord. Is it not a gift to the psalmist that he is undergoing these trials? that he is undergoing these trials, evidently for some sin in his life, that God is saying, you know what, I'm not going to let you go on in this state, in this state of sin. I'm not going to let you go on in this state. I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to make you aware of what is going on here and of what you need to repent of and turn from and that you need to turn to me. Isn't it a grace that the Lord uses trials to reveal sin to us? Is it not a grace for the Lord to cast us more on Him through trials and to sanctify us? Trials are gifts from the Lord. They're a grace from Him. And another encouragement I find here from the psalm is for us not to grow weary. Not to grow weary. Not to faint. As I was sharing with that story about that story of that Vietnamese man who was at the point of fainting, he was at that point, tomorrow, God, tomorrow, God. Don't grow weary. The Lord is near. The Lord is there. I think of Psalms, uh, or excuse me, Hebrews 12, 3, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow, grow weary or lose heart. Consider your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What he says in the verse before that, Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. 
He endured the cross. He is our example. Do not grow weary. Look to Jesus. Look to Him. Let us not grow weary. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Do not doubt in the night what you know to be true in the light. And the reality is that God is there, that God is faithful, that He has not forgotten us, that this trial is directed by His hand in our life, that this isn't um, unbeknownst to Him, that it is from Him. Let us live in that reality. And then lastly, just want to encourage us from this psalm. May it be a motivation to us against sin. That it be a motivation to us against sin. Notice the great turmoil here in this psalm that sin has brought upon the psalmist. Sin doesn't tell us this up front, does it? It doesn't tell us that this is going to be the outcome. The turmoil, the distress, the emptiness that is going to be there. But know this. Know this reality. This is what it brings. You know, Proverbs 5.22, remember this chapter where Solomon, he is exhorting his son. He is exhorting his son to uh, avoid uh, sin, embrace God's, uh, God's design and purpose for marriage and the marriage relationship, he, and avoid immorality. And why? Because God, he, he sees all. And he says this in Proverbs 5.22, He will be held with the cords of his sin. The individual who goes on in his sin, and here the son, the young man, if he ignores the counsel of his father, and he... he, he he gets involved in sin and the sin of immorality, it will become a snare to him. It will entangle him. He will be held with the cords of his sin. So may this psalm also be a motivation for us to run from sin, to see sin for the lie that it is in our life. And in all this, I pray that we'll be encouraged to go quick to the Lord. <clears throat> to go quick to that friend and not forfeit what we have in Jesus Christ.